Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Dean Dutro from Worthy Commerce. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast, my good friend, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Dean Dutro. Dean is the co-founder of Worth E-Commerce, a company that helps businesses of all sizes dramatically grow their revenue by at least 30% with lifecycle email marketing. Dean is an e-commerce email marketing expert and one of Clavio's top three partners. He's also the founder of Email Growth Training, and he's also the co-host of the Relationship Commerce podcast. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation I have with Dean all about email marketing, e-commerce, and obviously networking, relationship building, and stuff like that. But first, really quickly, if you are a podcast host or you like to be a guest on other podcasts um, and you haven't checked out the new software that my team and I put together, then you're going to want to head over to guestio.com. That's guestio.com to check out some of the free people that we have over there. You can book for free right now for your podcast. Or if you're a guest, you can go over there and book podcasts to, to be a guest on. So uh, it's a really cool piece of uh, basically just a connection marketplace software that we put together. And I'm really, really excited to see where it continues to go. So guestio.com, go check that out and uh, for free and see some of the amazing people that we have over there. Dean, what's up, man? Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. 
Yeah, Travis, thanks for having me. And I'm gonna have to check out that software. That sounds awesome. Uh, okay. Especially as a, as a podcaster and, and enjoying being on podcasts. What a cool tool. Definitely, definitely. Let me know what you think, man. And always, uh, all, all ears, all ears in terms of what we can get over over on Guestio. So I, I appreciate that. I want to talk with you a little bit about some context here before we dive into some meat here in the conversation, Dean. So let's take it back, like way back. Talk to me about, you know, 11, 12-year-old Dean. What were you up to at the time? What was your family life like? You know, where, what were your parents doing for a living? And, you know, did you enjoy school? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great question. I'm like trying to circle back to 10 or 11. It's actually kind of a crazy time. So I was living in a little town called Bend, Oregon. It was like 30,000 people at the time. Uh, yeah. Pretty rural. And now it's a pretty big like mountain town, biking. Oh, now, man. Yeah, my, that's where yeah. my in-laws live, live over in Bend. Oh, wow. Small world. Yeah, it's booming now. It's tripled in size. And, you know, I was about 10 or 11. My Actually, my parents were divorced and my mom had moved me to Bend and with my stepdad. And they actually were working in a kitchen design business, doing basically helping all these new homes with designing kitchens, bathrooms, things like that. And uh, my grandma was a part of it as well. So kind of, you know, honestly grew up with small business uh, at the forefront of my mind. You know, it was just them, it was just family, but it was cool seeing, you know, that they could go to all my baseball games, that they could go to all my football games, that they never had to really worry about taking time off. Um, mm-hmm. I remember like other kids, you know, growing up, they talk about, you know, I wish my dad could come or wish my mom could come. I got lucky in that way where, you know, because they had their own business, they didn't have to worry about that. And I think that stuck with me for a long time. The other thing that kind of happened at 12 years old is actually, I did a student exchange to Japan. I went and lived with a, a Japanese family for about, I think it was a month-ish or so. And was like I was like super into Dragon Ball Z at the time. So I thought going to Japan would be like an awesome place to go visit. But uh, that was sort of a, you know, a step into travel and, and kind of getting out there out, outside of my little town uh, of 30,000 people at the time to Kyoto, which was, you know, millions of people. It was nuts. Mm, yeah, that's that's incredible. So you obviously had a big influence from your from your family to kind of head down this path. Was it at all um, encouraged purposefully? In, 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 like, so what I mean by that is, like, did you just do you just remember picking up on the fact that it was cool that they could attend sports games, or did you guys ever have conversations about what you were going to do when you grew up? Uh, you know, honestly, a lot of the conversations were for me built around going to college and kind of just exploring my own desires and and wants. And they never really pushed me to go into business. And I was the first person really to to graduate from college and and go to college. So their, their big push was like, Hey, actually, I think Dean should go to college. So they, they motivated me in a lot of ways to to head down that path, but I still like, I didn't really know that I was going to get into business yeah, I think a lot of it is in retrospect, like, oh, like these things influenced me. And then later on, I kind of figured it out as I, as I grew older and, and got some world experience. Yeah. So what, what was that world experience like? Talk to me about, you know, early 20s and late teens. So go to Japan, do high school in Bend. I actually did, uh, spent another year abroad in Italy when I was in high school, like my senior year of high school. My parents were super bummed because I stopped playing football to go basically like drink wine and I live in this little beach town in Italy as like a 17 year old exploring Europe, which was, which was amazing to do in high school. Yeah. And, uh, uh, again, I just craved that. Like, I, I want to get out of my town as lovely as Bend is. And, and I, I think it's a phenomenal place to live. You know, it was so small at the time. 
And I, I just wanted to see what was out there. So I, I went to Italy, came back, and then I only applied for uh, two schools. One was Chico State and one was Long Beach State in California. Yeah. And I applied for Chico because it seemed familiar. And like, if all else fails and I don't get into Long Beach, I could get there. But I had done a tour of, of the West Coast schools. And Long Beach at the time was the most diverse city in the country, just behind Brooklyn. And I remember going to the campus. The campus itself was like 45,000 students. And that was bigger than my town. I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, I want to be in a big yeah. place like this that's diverse, can meet yeah. all sorts of people. And uh, yeah, just, just really kind of went straight into college with the mentality of like, I want to make this work. Uh, high school, I was an average student. wasn't anything great. I focused more on sports and, and traveling and camping, all that kind of stuff. Uh, college, I was like, I'm going to make the best of this and, and had, a, had a really good time and got involved in different, you know, the American Marketing Association, the International, International Business Association, ended up meeting a bunch of business people. And I think that shaped my early 20s. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Where, uh, where do you, uh, or what did you end up going to school for? What was the, the actual major? Yeah, I went to school for communications. So public speaking, rhetoric, politics, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a family of, of divorce. And so I wanted to learn relational skills, right? Mm -hmm. Interpersonal skills that I felt like I was kind of lacking. Uh, so that was, that was kind of a path for me that, that, was, that was personal. Uh, but I always, I always enjoyed communication. I always enjoyed connecting with people, at, you know, on a deep level. I enjoyed getting up on stage and giving speeches. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, where do you land on the whole school argument? That seems to be a pretty popular thing nowadays to talk about whether or not college is something that's, you know, good idea or a bad idea based on what you want to be doing with the rest of your life. There's obviously, you know, some uh, career paths that require um, further education, but some of them don't. So I'm curious, you know, you obviously went to school and enjoyed your time and it seemed to have a large impact on your, your life, your career, your success. I'm curious to hear what, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I think that you, you've got to do it smart uh, or, or wisely from a financial perspective, right? You know, I ended up in debt, I think 40 grand after and post-college was rough, but ultimately, you know, being the first generation of my family to go to school and, and to get an education was was important. I'd do it all over again. I probably would have paid double, to be honest, because I met some of the best friends that I have. I met mentors and built relationships with people that I never would have met. Um, it expanded my own mind and, and knowledge in, in areas that uh, I had no idea about before going in. That being said, I wish they would have had some sort of entrepreneur program at the time. Now they do. And most schools actually have some sort of entrepreneurship program uh, to them, which I think is fascinating. In fact, uh, I've interviewed several people from, you know, uh, like the University of Utah or even Long Beach State who like they, they have an entrepreneurship program in schools, which is, uh, I think, really interesting. So I'd say go, you know, but be, you know, really think about the long term effects of the debt. You know, if you're paying a thousand bucks a month in student loan debt and you're making a hundred grand a year, that's a lot of money uh, to be putting up. Yeah. Yeah. So overarching advice though is go for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go for yeah. sure. Okay, cool. So where did college lead for you now, Dean? So you're, you know, early twenties, you're a recent college graduate. You got some things going for you. You're ambitious. You're young. What do you do next? Yeah. Uh, college post-college was like three months of bliss. I, I bought a one-way plane ticket to Europe and traveled Europe for three months, stayed with my old Italian family and, and met up with friends and 
just had a blast. And then I came, came back home to Oregon from California. And at the time, this was like 2012, Austin, Texas was just starting to become pretty popular. Um, yeah. Now you hear about it everywhere, right? And uh, I road tripped from Oregon to Austin, no job, really no plan. I just wanted to be somewhere cool, somewhere warm. I was, I was sick of the snow and didn't want to go back to the snow. And uh, I drove my little like 1979 Nissan Z, uh, no air conditioning, no heater, only one of the windows worked. And I, I just drove my, myself and my clothes to Austin, found an apartment for like 400 bucks a month and was like, I'm going to make it here. I didn't end up making it there <laughs> like, <laughs> like at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was, it was rough. You know, I, I had these big dreams and goals. It was a, it was a tech town. I had no tech experience. I ended up working at this uh, restaurant called Abel's on the Lake for $2 and 50 cents an hour plus tips, which I thought was illegal. Uh, cause in California, in Oregon, you make minimum wage, right? right at least I was like, holy shit. And ended up being on food stamps, ended up like having multiple jobs. I tried starting a little fitness business. I was really into fitness. It's called junkyard ATX. It was like, uh, you know, bought some tires and some ropes and tried to get all the, uh, other, other waiters to pay me to, to work them out and stuff that ended up failing. And after about a year, I call it quits and had to move, <laughs> move back home. Yeah. So what, so then like at that point, you know, this is 2013 then I'm assuming. So what, what do you do when you have student debt and you're graduated from college and you just failed and now you're living back at home? What, what do you do at that point? What, what's your confidence level like? Yeah, man, it was rough. It was like this weird point. Like I knew that there was potential, but I, I just didn't want to like, I was so sick of waiting. Right. And what happened is I actually ended up moving to my dad's place down in San Diego and worked for a company he worked for making like 12 bucks an hour. And at the time that was actually like the most money I'd ever made. So I thought I was rolling in it <laughs> uh, in, in San Diego. And uh, well, I assume you were living with your dad. Yeah, I was living with him. So I wasn't paying rent, right? Okay. Which super, super big help. But I, I decided like, hey, I need to learn, right? I need to figure out like what's next. How can I grow? And I got really into uh, Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn. And what's interesting is that the, the building that my dad's company was in was the same building that Tony Robbins office is in, in San Diego. Uh-huh. Like, and I, I had no idea and never met him, never saw him, but just knowing that I would walk through this door and see the Tony Robbins name, I was reading his books. I was listening to Jim Ron, you know, while I was at work, I was like watching these videos. It was just super motivating. And I just started like applying for jobs doing whatever I could, networking with old friends. And one day out of the blue, I got a call from a recruiting company called Aerotech. And they're like, hey, we saw your resume, saw you worked at a hotel and as a waiter, we've got this cool recruiting sales job. Are you interested? I was like, heck yeah, sounds sounds pretty legit. And they, they paid like $43,000 a year, which again, I was like from 12 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour is life-changing right. uh, at the time. And it's like an actual it, job now. Yeah. Yeah. Real job. Not just like doing paperwork and stuff. Not that that's bad, but you know, it wasn't what I wanted. That actually ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made was going and working for that company. Even though I would, I would never go back and work for someone. I ended up working for them for three or four years doing uh, aviation recruiting. So I would recruit different mechanics, engineers all over the country to go work for like Boeing or, kind of these like larger, like Bombardier, Dassault, 
different aviation companies, like big ones, yeah, yeah. and and then different military projects. And they put me in there because my dad was like in a motorcycle club and like was like a pretty burly guy. And they thought I'd get along with these mechanics who love to ride motorcycles and travel around and stuff. I was like, I'm not a motorcycle guy, but whatever, we can do this. But that company, Aerotech, multi-billion dollar company, they've been around for 30 years. It started with a group of friends and they've built it to like 4,000, 5,000 employees. Amazing, uh, amazing processes, systems, sales systems. They teach you, they they actively say, hey, we're not looking for salespeople, we're looking for leaders, right? And there's something to that that I really liked. I ended up having some great mentors there who taught me how to sell, uh, taught me how to manage teams, taught me how to lead. Uh, so I work my, my way up there, uh, get promoted and go to uh, Portland, back home uh, to Oregon, where I manage the recruiting division in the Northwest. I'm like 24 and they're giving me like a, basically a credit card to travel around the country, travel to Alaska and Idaho and California and Nevada and meet with like, like these general aviation companies and military aviation companies and try and sell contracts. It was a wild time yeah, uh, being 24 with a, a company credit card and expense account. Uh, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. No kidding. So then what, I mean, what, why do you, why do you leave? Why, why do you leave a job like that? Yeah, it was, that was a really tough decision. Honestly, I loved working there so much and loved the freedom and kind of ran my own show with some oversight and mentorship is kind of how I viewed it. Mm -hmm. But what happened was my, my best friend from college, my roommate, old college roommate, he uh, came, he was a digital nomad at the time. And he started this UX design agency, yeah. which I had no idea what the hell that was back then. And he came and stayed with me for a month in Portland. And we got to chatting and a week before he left, he was like, hey man, I've been meaning to ask you this. I see you like you're doing amazing things in sales. Do you want to go travel the world with me and sell UX design and like live this remote lifestyle? And I, in my mind, I was like, this sounds freaking awesome. Cause I love travel and mm -hmm. love the idea of starting something new. And he really kind of kickstarted it and, and got me going, but that was, uh, wasn't easy to leave, but the idea was so fresh and just seemed like the perfect fit for me that I ended up making that choice a couple months later to leave. Wow. Okay. So then at what point do you start kind of doing some of your own things? Or is this kind of the same, is, is this the worth e-commerce company that you guys jumped in and grew together? Yeah. So this is uh, actually, this was a, a different company. So, so he approaches me and we start this UX design agency. He was basically, he was essentially freelancing and, and wanted me to join. And we like, I think it was like April or May, we go to Europe, we go to Asia. We're trying to figure this out. We're trying to figure this business thing out. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented 
with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent Fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And we have a blast. You know, our, our, honestly, our goal was, hey, we want to travel the world. We want to make a bunch of money. We want to meet some cool people. We want to live on beaches and in penthouses and cheap places. And that kind of like digital nomad stereotype, right? After a year, we crashed and burned and I ended up like 20 grand in debt. And we both ended up living back at our grandparents' places. I, I moved back to Bend. He moved back to California. Uh, it just didn't work. Like we just couldn't find a way to actually make money and hold on to it mm. and grow it. And uh, that was another difficult conversation with him was like, hey, man, this isn't working. I got to do my own thing. And what I learned was like the knowledge gap between us, because he had been doing digital work and marketing and uh, e-commerce for a couple of years was so high that it never felt like an equal business. Mm. And so there was a power dynamic there that was really tough to overcome. And we weren't making money. And I was living at my grandma's that I was like, I just need to try something new and try something on my own and see what I can make happen. Uh, and so we had that conversation. He was supportive. And that's a whole nother story of, of what, what happened from there. Yeah. So what happened from there? So it's kind of interesting. One of our clients, uh, they're called Koala Mattresses. And they're like the Casper of Australia. We had a bunch of clients in the Australia region for some reason. There wasn't like Amazon at the time. Really interesting. But they're like, hey, Dean, could you do some email marketing for us? I'd never done email marketing, but I immediately said yes. And I took a week to learn as much as I could. I went to all the MailChimps and like every sort of platform you could think of. And I Frankenstein the strategy together, presented it to them. And they paid me like 500 bucks to write like 10 emails. I was like, this is gold. Yeah. And it worked. We ended up making them, I think the first flow we built out, I ended up making like 15 grand a month in sales. And I was like, this is insane. I kind of became addicted. I loved being able to send an email and know that cash was going to end up in their pocket that day, right? Yeah. Like there's something so cool and immediate about that and that you could make it sophisticated to increase that even more and then help those companies grow even faster. And so I started out, I started a company, I called it instant email copy, right? I was going to be the email guy and ended up hiring some contractors. I got on Upwork as a freelancer. I became the top rated email marketer on Upwork. Uh, in the United States. And then I'm pretty sure just globally uh, we're top rated and just got a ton of clients. I ended up hiring some local people in Portland. Uh, I started working at a, uh, a co-working space in Portland and ended up recruiting seven of my first employees from there. It was like the easiest recruiting pool I'd ever seen. It was all these freelancers, all these people that wanted to, to work for good companies. And uh, Speaking of networking, like that was a great place to meet and recruit people. Plus I had a recruiting background, so I kind of knew what to do and say. 
But there's also something I want to note, a big change in the way I viewed business from the first year, which was about basically just being a consumer of other cultures, other places versus a contributor. And so I had this idea in mind that I wanted to build a a culture. I wanted to build a community. I wanted to help businesses grow. And I wanted to make sure like I was growing and my team was growing and ended up coming up with a mission statement, some values. And that really helped me attract really, really good people who were still with me and also attract some really good clients who were still with us years later. But that simple change to knowing the mission, knowing the values, knowing like where you want to go and who you are, I I think has led to a lot of our growth over this last two years. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So, so this is, this is a relatively young and new business, uh, Dean, and you've obviously seen some, some good, some good results with it so far. And, And just kind of walk us now, you know, fill in the gaps in the last two years and let us know, you know, what you're up to now and, you know, the, the type of, the type of growth that you've been able to see with the company. Yeah. So, so I'm running uh, instant email copy. I've got I think 10 employees, few contractors, things are going pretty well. I'm making a lot more money than I've ever made. All my employees are making good money. Like if things are going around, but I was kind of plateaued. I couldn't figure out how do I get to the next level, right? How do I get, uh, you know, to 30 employees or 50 employees to hundred employees. Right. And I joined a mastermind uh, of different agency owners. You know, they kind of, Jason Swank is his name. He's got some great companies in there. I've made some great friends and, and partnerships and mentors in there. But, you know, Ryan and I would, would connect every once in a while. We were best friends and he was doing e-commerce and, and he was still doing UX design. He would refer me clients every once in a while. Well, he started to catch on that email was doing pretty well. So he started competing with me. I was like, what the hell? But I, I just kind of felt like there's enough e-commerce companies to go around. You know, there's tens of thousands. I'm not going to ever have 10,000 customers. Uh, or partners. And so at first I was upset, but then I was like, whatever, it just means the market's growing. Like, awesome. Let's learn from each other. And then we go to California for a week together for like a boy's trip and same thing. He approached me, Hey, what do you think about merging? Like, what do you think about just like combining forces? I've got some great employees. He's got some great systems down. We're both doing different things that are similar. And we end up combining forces uh, where we're co-owners 50, 50. And it's been one of the best partnerships uh, I've ever had. It's it's completely equal. We we know our lanes. We know what we're good at, what we're not good at. We call each other out. We've grown, you know, the business well past the seven-figure mark in this last two years, working together, 50 employees. And we we just keep continuing to grow and, and we keep learning as we go. Uh, something I found is like every five people you hire, your business completely changes. So it's really interesting. But that's kind of last last two years. It's been growing like crazy, and then COVID hit and accelerated that even more. But I think we were we were on a path of growth already even before that. So it's kind of interesting to look back last year. So for people who are just getting started, and maybe where you know where you were a couple of years ago, and they're there today, what advice would you give to them on you know really like your zero to seven figures point? You know, because like we've been talking now for you know I don't know twenty thirty minutes or something like that. Now, Dean, and it's it's funny because we just now got to the part of your story where you're seeing a lot of success. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to point that out because I think that a lot of people severely underestimate, you know, like that, uh, I think it's a Bill Gates quote where it's, you know, people tend to underestimate what they can do in 10 years and overestimate what they can do in mm. one year. And yeah, totally. It's so true. And that's why I like going through people's stories because it shows people that are listening right now, they're like, oh, so this time where I'm back living in my grandma's basement, $20,000 in debt, 
after a failed business like doesn't mean that I'm a failure forever. It just means that I got to take the things that I learned from this past you know, failure, and it sounds like a, a business partnership that wasn't fruitful, and uh, turn it into something positive. And that's exactly what you did. And now you're running a multi-seven-figure business uh, with a partner that you guys are actually on the same page. You got 50 employees and things are moving in the right direction. But I want to point that out because so often I feel like we can get trapped in the in the here and now and think that it's just not going to be possible in the future. So what, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe where you were um, now? Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many routes that you can go. You know, something that I realized early on is I identified a sales channel that helped me grow faster than I would have otherwise. That, that happened to be Upwork for me. Mm. So that, that's, that channel alone has led to million dollars of revenue for us. It's not our number one channel anymore, but at the time it was. Uh, as we got more salespeople, other channels started to open up. But really like leaning into a channel, uh, which is a little risky in, in some respects, but if it's for a limited time where you can just hammer that channel and use it to its max and, and grow your business, I think that's that's a big key. The other is I'm a big believer in you know niching down and figuring out a specific problem that you can solve and do. I, I happen to find email marketing. I happen to enjoy it as, as a communications major and enjoyed writing, but there's, there's almost always a, a problem you can find to solve. And if you're going to have like a service agency, for example, you got to do something that I think led to some of our growth is, is productize the service. So create a template, create something that you can work off of that's, that can be replicated and scaled up because you know, it works right? So that you can actually sell at a higher margin versus just selling your time. I think that was key. And then point number number three is like, you got to hire someone to help you take over tasks. Uh, the, the biggest bet I made was, was hiring a project manager. He still works for us. He's now uh, one of our directors. You know, I, I thought I was going to go broke, right? But by hiring one person who took over most of the tasks that I was doing on a daily basis with clients, we tripled within three or four months in size because yeah. I could focus on sales at that time, which was, which was super important. Now I don't touch, you know, clients or, or I like to call them our partners. I don't really touch sales because we've got a sales team, but you've got to kind of do it in phases where it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, love the practical advice there, man. I really appreciate that. Um, I got to ask you just a couple things about our relationship building and, and networking and stuff. And I'll probably just kind of take it this route because I know that I know that you and I have something in common when it comes to podcasting. So yep. I'm curious to hear um, how how much podcasting has helped your network building. Um, but first, before we go down that path, I got to ask you this question because it's the one that I've asked every guest that's ever come on the show. So curious to hear what your answer is. Dean, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important? Which of those two do you view as being the most important asset in life and why? That's such a tough one. I, honestly, it's like, that's a, I feel like it's a trick question. It's both, right? Like who you know doesn't really matter if you don't know anything to give value, right? And if you have a ton of value to give and you don't know anybody, how, how are people going to find out? So honestly, it's, it's both. Um, I think there's certain times where it matters more than others, right? Depending on where you are in your career. But I, I would say both. I, I couldn't wait it you know, separately like that. And I, I, I bet you hate that answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I usually don't let people get away with it. So if, if I, if I, if I were to push you to make one where you were like, look, you, you can only focus on this one for the next, you know, let's say 12 months, which one would you say you would, you, you would find there, there's more return 
on focusing on the people that you know or focusing on the 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 you know the the craft that you that you yeah you know i would say if you're first starting focus on building your craft and your skill set and what you're going to solve so that when you start meeting people they're going to know right away that you're legit right take the time to invest i think that's what i did is is i didn't really know anyone in the industry i just took time to figure out you know how to be great at this one thing and then people started to find out right so that's 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 what i would, i would advise well, you also said that you joined some masterminds and stuff like that at the beginning too, right? Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. How much, how much of the what you know do you think that you got by being around the right who's? Oh, that's a good question. I would say when it came to, to email marketing, they had nothing to do with it. But when it came to going from an email marketer to a business owner, they had everything to do with it. Mm. And that was a that was a transition that I think happens for a lot of people, especially in the agency world where you go from the knowledge expert to wow, now I have to learn how to run a business. And knowing great people who are running businesses, that's that's really important. I like that point. Yeah, cool. So let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about podcasting here before we sign off, Dean. We got a couple minutes, so I'd love to hear what your, what your experience has been so far. What has podcasting done for your personal network? Yeah, Travis, I, I love podcasting. Um, I host a show. I love talking to other business owners. I think one thing that I felt as a business owner for a lot, of, a lot of time was pretty lonely, right? And I also felt like there's a lot of business owners that are doing great things that no one ever hears about, right? Like everyone can talk about some of the big names, uh, but there's also hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of business owners that are doing seven figures, eight figures, and you're not going to see them in Forbes, right? I call them like the secret entrepreneurs, the secret sort of business people out there that are just killing it, but they're not you know, looking for that kind of big recognition, but it's opened up doors for partnerships with different software companies where they refer us leads and do marketing opportunities with them. Many podcast guests will at some point become a client or they'll refer someone who will become a client. I learn new strategies from them that I can train my team about, right? It's like one guy was talking to me about Amazon, some specific Amazon strategy, never heard it. I recorded it, sent it straight to my strategy team. And they're like, wow, we could use this and sell it to our clients and help them grow. So it's, it's, it's huge, you know, introductions to, to big names and uh, various journalists and, and people that, you know, have a lot more influence and, and attention in other places. It's been huge. And it's, it's only a year old, you know, I've been doing it for about a year and it's already opened up so many doors. And to me, it's not about downloads as much as it is about like what you guys focus on networking and meeting people and building these relationships you know, and now I can send an email to someone who I'm thinking about and be like, Hey, I mentioned you on this podcast, thought about you, like you guys should meet. Right. And you get to, you get to connect other people where it makes sense too. you kind of become a broker in, in some ways. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I love it, man. Well said, well said. I mean, I've obviously echo all of those things when people, I mean, people find out that my show is called build your network. And I talk a lot about networking and relationships and stuff. The, the, often the, the the question that I get is, okay, well, what's your you know best networking advice that you've gotten over the course of doing your show? <laughs> without hesitation, without a doubt, the most practical piece of networking advice I give to anybody listening is start a podcast in whatever uh, industry that you are trying to become known in or make a name for yourself in or be successful in. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, start a podcast in that space and watch the magic happen. I promise you it'll be worth your time. So Dean, I can't, couldn't agree with you more on that. I appreciate you for coming on the show. Um, let's take a quick second here and transition into the random round, just the last segment. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. 
What profession other than your own do you think that it would just be fun to attempt? Oh, I'd love to be a professor and teach people things and work with students and things like that. I think that'd be awesome. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Benjamin Franklin. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I'm a podcast guy. What's a podcast that you would recommend everybody listen to? Oh, I really like the uh, Lex Friedman podcast. I like I like hearing like non-business podcasts because it's like a different form of thinking, but I, I really like his stuff, Lex Friedman. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up, I meditate, I read, I write, I go for a run, uh, and I have a cup of coffee. What is your go-to pump-up song? All My Life, Foo Fighters. What is something that you are just not very good at, Dean? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Don't spend too much time thinking about things you're not good at, huh? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, I'm actually not that good of a writer, I'd say. And as we get everything wrapped up here, bro, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Yeah, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, if you just search for Dean Dutro on LinkedIn, you can find me there. I'll connect with pretty much everyone. And uh, if you want to check out our services, you can go to worthecommerce.com. Perfect. Sounds good. Worthecommerce.com. Go check out what Dean has to offer. Plenty, plenty of amazing things that we're able to talk about here today and plenty of amazing things that we were not able to get into. So please be sure to go check out Dean's podcast and uh, see some of the other stuff that he's putting out there. Dean, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Um, I know the listeners really enjoyed this episode. Had a blast chatting with you. Thanks a lot, Travis. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.